Hello, my friends. Welcome to Worship for Carmen United Church on May 31st, 2020. I'm the pastor here, Reverend Nick Phillips, and I'm so glad that you are worshiping with us today, wherever you are watching from. This is Pentecost Sunday, a very special Sunday in the church, and what a gift it is to be worshiping together, even in our homes, as we remember Jesus sending the Holy Spirit blowing into a home long ago that changed not just the disciples, but the world forever. Before we begin our service today, just one quick announcement that if you could just keep our church council in prayer this Wednesday at 2 p.m., uh, we are, will be meeting to discuss the, the business of the church, and we just would appreciate your prayer as we meet. Let's just take a moment now to silence our hearts as we prepare to worship our God. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, on this day of Pentecost, you sent your Holy Spirit upon your friends, those who you entrusted to the creation of your church. Jesus, as we meet today in our homes, may we know the same Spirit among us. May it enter us as we worship this day and lead us to be your church in this world forever. Amen. Once again, this week, I would like to share with you two scripture readings. The first is from the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 6 as we continue through the, the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus gave early on. And it is Matthew 5, chapter 6, verses 25 to 34. Let us prepare our hearts for the word of the Lord. Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If this is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given unto you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And our second reading is the traditional Pentecost reading from Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 21. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound, like the blowing of a violent wind, came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven, when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all, of these uh, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native tongue? 
Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and other parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Abrams, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness, the moon to blood, before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, on this day of Pentecost, may your spirit come upon each and every one of us as we gather around your word this day. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, you who are our rock, our strength, and our redeemer. Amen. So here it is, another big Sunday in the year of the, ch- in the, year of the church. Last week we talked about one of the last things that Jesus had come to do, what he had promised to do, and he did it. That is, he ascended, he returned to heaven He returned to God. And this week, aside from coming back from heaven, this is one of the last promises that Jesus made to his followers. He promised to give the Holy Spirit to those who follow him, which on Pentecost began with the disciples, some of his closest and dearest friends. This event, Pentecost, marks the end of the training they have been receiving over three years. And it graduates them into the next phase actually doing the work they've been training to do. I think back to 2003 when I started the process towards becoming a minister. I felt God to, was calling me to be a minister. I prayed about it. I wrote a letter to my church saying, this is what I think God is asking me to do. They helped me through the process of discerning that call. I enrolled in seminary. I spent five years studying, five years working in various churches, gaining experience. And then on June 6th, 2009, I stood in front of a crowd as they laid their hands on me and declared me a minister in God's church. Now over those six years, between feeling called by God and to actually the ordination day, there was a lot of work in between. A lot of reading, a lot of studying, a lot of writing uh, papers and learning to preach, learning about pastoral care, practicing in various churches. And there are many times when I looked at what I had done and said, I still have more to learn. I need more experience. I, I needed more practice. But then in 2009, when I was ordained, 
It was kind of like I had, it felt like I had been given my wings and I could fly alone. Well, sort of. At least I wouldn't have a supervisor kind of peering over my shoulder reporting back to the ordination process of the church. And then we came to Cape Breton and together we have continued to learn and grow. Myself and us as a church. But in June 2009, I felt like I was, I was being released. And I was ready and energized to continue the work of Jesus in the world. And I still feel that way today. Now, when I think about Pentecost, I think the disciples may have felt somewhat the same, only more so, more powerfully moved. Because they got up from their house and went out into the street and began to preach. And by the power of that same Holy Spirit that drove them out of the house and into the streets, they were able to preach in languages they didn't even know. Think of it as maybe someone going to New York to speak at the Assembly of the UN. And they're up there and they're speaking and preaching, not not preaching, but they're speaking to to the delegates from countries all over the world. And those people are able to take off their translation headsets because they're able to hear whatever that person is saying in their own language because the Holy Spirit is translating. Whether they know English or, or whatever, they know they are hearing the words in their own language. This is kind of like what happened at Pentecost. They went out and they preached and people heard the words uh, in their own language because we heard that they came from all over. And then we heard a very small piece of what Peter began with in his own sermon to the assembled crowd in the streets that day. And now we're told later on in Acts chapter 2 that as he finished preaching, over 3,000 people joined the church that day. Isn't it truly amazing what the power of God can do? Now, from a logistical point of view, given that this was the literal birth of the church, what did they do with all these people? I mean, the church was beginning here with with 11 men preaching in the streets. And people were coming and they're receiving the Holy Spirit for themselves and just by the thousands giving themselves to Jesus. And you have to wonder what they would do with them all. They had no church buildings in those days. They had no infrastructure. They had no organization. They had no committees. They had no email or Facebook pages. All they had was the teachings of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Now, I guess when I think about it now, that was probably more than enough. The rest would come sometime later. If there was something to worry about, that would come later. Which takes me to our reading from the Sermon on the Mount today. Last week we talked about who do we serve? Do we serve God or do we serve this drive for personal wealth? We can't serve both, Jesus taught us. This week, with the hopes that we've decided to focus on serving God, Jesus realizes people may begin to worry about how they're going to take care of their families or their own lives. So he says, do not worry. Don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear or so on. He says, God, Jesus says, God takes care of the birds. They have what they need. The flowers, they, they have what they need. So why worry? 
Yet when I look at the state of the world, I see many people, they do worry. Many people worry because of powers beyond their control. A black man this past week was murdered by police because someone thought he wrote a bad check. A bad check. Does this unproven minor crime deserve a death sentence? No. Yet a cop pressed his knee until his neck, until he gasped his last breath. After hearing cry after cry of, I can't breathe, this white man kept pressing his knee into the neck of this man. I think of a few years ago when Colin Kaepernick led his team to the Super Bowl while playing for the San Francisco 49ers. A couple of years after, he was responding to the police brutality he was hearing in the news. And he took a knee during the national anthem in a uh, pre-season game. And he kept it up. And the movement spread. More players around the, the NFL were taking knees during the anthem in protest of police violence. In 2017, Colin Kaepernick drew the attention of Donald Trump and now Colin is out of the game seemingly for good. He chose a simple method of protest. And it was very effective at drawing attention to his stance against police brutality. Yet the president decided to make it about the flag because he couldn't see anything else wrong. So as I look at this, I get why there are riots in the streets today. They tried peaceful protest. It didn't work. They wanted to be peaceful about it, but nothing changed. So now it's turned to violence. It should have never, ever needed to turn to violence. Never. We should be listening carefully and working with our brothers and sisters of color and doing all we possibly can to make the world as safe as it can be for all of God's children. Now, this is not the original plan I had for my sermon earlier this week. Earlier this week, I had in my mind uh, what I thought was a pretty decent Pentecost sermon, encouraging us to follow in the footsteps of the disciples. But after seeing the riots in the streets over the last few days, when we see the response in America to racism of all types, I knew I knew we could not ignore it today. And frankly, I'm sick of it. I'm sick of knowing that there are, colored, there, that there are people of color in this world who are treated as second-class citizens. I'm sick of watching the news as armed white mobs advance upon Capitol buildings while the police stand by and just watch. But an unarmed black man writes a bad check and he pays with his life as a cop chokes his last breath out of his body. A young man, a young black man, goes for an evening jog and is hunted, and hunted down and killed by a man and his father, white men, 
because he looked suspicious. A black man is birdwatching in Central Park in New York City and asks a woman to simply follow the rules of the park and put her dog on a leash. And instead, she calls police and shrieks that a black man is threatening her life. I don't go to jail. I don't pay with my life if I write a bad check or if I go for a jog or if I ask someone to simply follow the rules of a park. These things do not put my life in danger. Yet for many African Americans, this is their daily life. Wondering if by leaving their house, they may not come home. You think of mothers wondering if their sons will be able to make it home from school or work or shopping. No white person in North America ever worries about these things in their daily life. They don't. And Jesus says, don't worry about your life. We shouldn't ever worry about our life. Yet millions of people do every single day. And my heart breaks. God's heart breaks. This is not how he intended us to live. He created us as equal partners, sustaining the earth. And we have destroyed it. Now you're probably thinking, I'm not racist. I'm not part of the problem. And yes, you are most likely not. But here's the deal. If we see an act of racism and do not speak up against it, then how are we helping stop it? How are we living out God's call to love our neighbors if we will allow racism to go unchecked? On Friday morning, I woke up and I checked out what was happening in the news and, and simply I was gobsmacked. I know it's a strange word to use, but it's really the only word I can think of to accurately describe how I feel, at least without swearing. I'm angry. I'm ashamed. I'm hurting. I'm numb. I'm all these things is more and more as I hear the story of what life is like for a person of color in North America. And don't try to kid yourself to say we're not so bad in Canada. And it may be a, a hint of truth to that, but racism is alive here as well. It just has been continuing to hold itself under the surface, not like in the States where it's been rising up and being in the news so prominently. It is here. I know it's here because I hear stories from my friends who have experienced these things. And Jesus says, don't worry about your life. I don't worry about my life ever. Ever. Yet millions of people do because people do not see them as human beings worthy of being respected or even worth living because of the color of their skin. I'm sorry if you're tuning in today to hear a happy sermon. I don't have one in me today, this week. I know today, is God, I know today God is weeping over his creation because we have allowed lives of people to be destroyed through racism. And now we're watching cities literally burn because of it. And so if God is weeping for his children, so am I. 
And Jesus says, do not worry about your life. Jesus is telling us we shouldn't ever have to worry about our life. Even when Adam and Eve were evicted from the Garden of Eden, God promised that they didn't need to worry because he was still going to look after them. No one should ever have to worry about their life. Which means if we're going to call ourselves Christians and and to follow Jesus and his teachings, then we need to work to stand up and speak out against these things which cause people to worry about their lives. Whether that be racism or the state of long-term care facilities for our seniors or systemic poverty or sexism or anything else God places on our hearts as we watch what is happening in the world around us, we must speak out. On Pentecost, God gave an incredible gift to the world. He gave the Holy Spirit, which began the church, not in great cathedrals or country churches, but in the streets, among the people. God started a movement that, that precedes the institution we call the church. The wind blew into that house, the house the disciples were waiting in, and drove them out of the building and into the middle of people's daily lives. The Holy Spirit would not, it could not be constrained by walls or doors. It's hard not being able to be in our church today. And realistically, it'll be quite some time before we do get back into our church as a gathering of people but we still are the church. We are still able to be filled by the power of the Holy Spirit. We're still able to be driven out into the streets and into the community to meet people where they are and let them know they're not alone. They are not forgotten. They're not hated. They are not less than anyone else. They are loved and they are cherished by God. And they are loved and cherished by us. No matter what color they are, no matter where they live, no matter how much money they have in the bank, we are all loved and cherished as children of our Father in heaven. No building can convey that message. We convey the message by walking with those who need to hear those words, those words of comfort and support. And we're right at their side. Again, I'm sorry if you were expecting something different today. and So was I. But the world needs us to step up. God needs us to step up and love and protect his children who are being beaten and killed for the simple fact their skin is a different color. And that's not right. That's not what God has planned for his children. My friends, as we worship God... Our God, who is full of love for all people, all races, all colors, we are able to help people who live in fear and worry. We are here to help change the world so that all people, just like you and I, so all people do not have to worry about their life and help bring God's love back into this broken and sin-filled world. I don't know what else to say. God is with us. 
He can do all things. And He can heal this world. But we must be willing to want it. Would you join me in prayer, please? Let us pray. All we can do is pray for this broken and sin-filled world. Lord, the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us with words, with sighs too deep for words. Lord, we need that Spirit today as we watch a world seemingly crumble around us in violence and hatred for our fellow citizens of this earth. Lord, we pray for day, today for those who suffer simply for looking different. We pray for people who suffer the hatred of racism. We pray for those who suffer the violence of sexual assault. We pray for those who are emotionally and physically beaten by those who say they love them. Lord, we pray for the millions impacted by COVID-19. We pray for the dead and we pray for their families. We pray for families who mourn the loss of a loved one but cannot gather together to say goodbye and hold each other. Lord, the world looks to us to be a huge mess and all we can do is throw our hands in the air and cry out for help. And so, Father in heaven, we cry out to you in these days. We know you have a plan. We know you will bring us back together, but we also know we must repent of our sin in the midst of these events. For by confessing our sin, only then are you able to bring true healing to this world. And so, Lord, we repent we turn from our sin and ask you to wash us clean. We pray for those who perpetuate the violence in this world and may you move them to repent of their sin. May your love permeate every cell of their bodies and our bodies and bring repentance and healing to this world. Lord, we know there is nothing that can hold you back. And so may your grace, love, mercy, and forgiveness flow in waves across this world, bringing hope and healing to the victims of violence afflicted upon them. Lord, we pray for, this, for, for those of us who are considered the privileged of society. May you move within our hearts to be allies to those who suffer. May we be the bearers of healing and hope in this broken world. We submit ourselves to you, Father, for you know what is best for us and for our brothers and sisters of this planet. Lord, we turn all these prayers to you for ourselves, our loved ones, our church, our country, this entire world. And we pray especially for those who are broken and hurting today. We take all these prayers and offer them to you in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, the one who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. My friends, thank you for joining us for this time of worship today. If you wish to support the ministry of the church, you may do so in a number of ways. You may drop your envelopes off to Joyce or myself, or we will come and pick them up. Or you can donate online through e-transfer using the email address provided. Or you may simply go to our website and donate online using Canada Helps. Whichever way you choose to support our church, we greatly appreciate it. However, as we go forth from this place, 
May we see the injustices of this world. May we respond with God's love as Christ moves us by the power of the Holy Spirit to make this world equal and fair and a blessing to all of God's children. Let us go forth in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God in each and every one of us, now and forever. Amen. Thank you for listening to Be Still and Know, a ministry of Carmen United Church in Sydney Mines. To learn more about our ministry, please visit our website, www.carmenunited.ca. May God bless you this day.